Welcome to Ghosts of Northern Michigan's Past. I'm your host, Christopher Struble, and during this episode, we will be returning to Petoskey's Perry Hotel. In addition to being one of, if not my favorite historic hotels in Northern Michigan, I also love the hotel because I've been able to catalog more reputable paranormal encounters at the Perry Davis than any other location in the Petoskey area over the last 20 years. And that's saying something considering the energy and history that surrounds this town and most of the Little Traverse Bay region as well. While many ghost sightings, in my opinion, are often just a glimpse into moments caught in time that repeat themselves like a loop, I have also come to believe that there are several different types of ghosts, if you will, and many different levels of interaction that people can and have had with the unknown for centuries past. The Perry Hotel is home to several different identifiable entities that span the entire spectral spectrum, from simply residual energies to interactive personality ghosts that usually appear to be very close to their once human form and are also thought to be able to communicate with the living. The one entity in the Perry Hotel that falls into the latter category that has most often let her presence be known and seems to actually enjoy interacting with guests over the years, likely many years, is a little girl in Victorian era dress. She is also very mischievous and not at all shy about even letting herself be photographed. As I seem to have gained the reputation of being one of the local guest experts over the last 15 years that I've lived in the Batoski area, people have presented me with several pictures that have been taken within the hotel that truly seem to have captured otherworldly images. But in many cases, just a small change in the angle or upon closer examination of the location from where the pictures were taken, these images can easily be debunked as merely illusions or misinterpretations based on the surroundings. But in the case of the pictures of the little girl that wanders the halls of the old hotel that various people have captured and shared with me, just the opposite seems to be true. As one story goes, a family was in the hotel one day, and as their children were playing in the beautiful lobby, they decided to take several snapshots of the kids at play. Several days later, after returning home, and while looking at the photos they had taken during their vacation, now remember this is going back to the pre-smartphone era, they noticed one child with blonde Shirley Temple curls peeking out from behind first a couch, and then in another image from behind a chair. The images were taken from at least three different angles, yet eerily enough, in each one, the girl's eyes are staring directly at the camera. And now this is the part that freaks me out, because one picture in which her image was captured was actually caught as a reflection in the large mirror that is hung in the same location in the lobby since the hotel opened its doors in 1899. And if you are familiar with the stories about Bowers Harbor Inn on Old Mission Peninsula near Traverse City, or the Red Lion Inn, which was formerly located in the building that still stands directly across from the Biograph Theater, and its haunted alley, where John Dillinger was shot dead, for example, then you are aware that mirrors seem to have the ability to hold or reflect spirits from the past. A common theme which has caused many to suffer a shock when a figure suddenly appears looking over their shoulders or glaring back at them from within the reflective glass as they wash their hands. And there'll be more to come about the old Bowers Harbor Inn in a future episode, I'm sure. Starting about three years ago, the maids began to find small handprints at the top of the mirror in the Hotel Perry's lobby which must be at least 10 feet from the floor in height. It has now become almost a daily routine to remove the tiny ghostly prints that no one can fully explain how or why they keep appearing in such a place that is obviously unreachable, even for the tallest adult, let alone a small child. One evening, as our tour group was standing next to an armoire in the lobby discussing the child ghost, the locked door of the lower cabinet section suddenly swung open, striking a guest in the leg 
and sending her almost to the ceiling in surprise. On a tour one week later, a pediatrician that was seated on the couch in the same room felt a small, unseen, feminine figure sit on her lap and cozy up next to her chest. This was an encounter she only wanted to share with myself well after we were away from the rest of the guests. Based on many accounts, including several of my own experiences, the lobby seems to be the most likely place to encounter this little trickster. But she is also known to make an appearance throughout the rest of the hotel as well. On one cold winter evening, when the hotel was at low capacity, the entire third floor was vacant and closed off to conserve heat. As the night manager tended to paperwork, he was very surprised to see a call come into the front desk from an unoccupied, or so he thought, room on the top floor. Lifting the phone to his ear, he could hear the unmistakable giggles of a female child. Just as he disconnected the line, a call came in from the adjacent room with a similar giggle. This phenomenon repeated itself sequentially all the way down the hall, until he finally decided to stop picking up the phone and let his nerves calm down. Another incident with the young attention-getter involves a man who was driving past the hotel one late evening and saw the small girl looking out from a window in the third-floor library. Thinking someone's child must have decided to take a late-night stroll, he called the front desk, and after looking at the monitor that is connected to the closed-circuit camera in the room, the nighttime assistant on duty that evening assured him there was no one in the room, even though at this exact moment she began to wave at the concerned passerby. Early last year, I was sharing stories with a former employee of the hotel, whom, like so many others before her, had her own unique and somewhat melancholy encounter with a young girl. It was Christmas Eve, and as she was preparing to head home after her shift, she took a moment to enjoy the lighted and decorated tree, standing next to the fireplace in the front lobby. Before leaving, she took a few pictures with her phone of the festive scene. Later, when at home, as these themes always seem to repeat themselves, as she viewed the pictures, her eyes were immediately drawn to a smiling young girl, posing alone beside the tree and crackling fire. I told you she wasn't shy. When I asked her to describe the young girl, her description matched perfectly with all the others that have witnessed the young child apparition. She then proceeded to tell me about another encounter she had had in the hotel during her tenure that corroborated another story that I first heard back in 1999. Early one morning upon entering the lobby, she saw a man with a suitcase sitting on a chair. She asked if he needed assistance, to which he replied, yes, I need someone to go up and retrieve my other suitcases from the room I stayed in last night. She complied without asking for further details, went to his room, and returned with the luggage he had left behind. He thanked her and then proceeded to inform her that he had been awoken around 3 a.m. When he opened his eyes, his first sight was of a face and torso, that of an elderly lady hovering just above his bed, inches from his own face. As he sat up in fright, the woman moved in conjunction with him, jetted across the room to the far wall, and then told him to leave, which he did. He said he had been so terrified that he only took time to put on the necessary clothing, grab the closest piece of luggage, and make a hasty exit from the room as he had been told, unwilling to return for the rest of his belongings. He had sat in the lobby until the sun rose and the brave female then employee came to his rescue. There's also a letter that was written to the staff of the hotel years ago from the wife of a traveling salesman that had a similar run-in with the floating apparition. In the letter she scolded the management for the terrible treatment her husband had been subjected to during his stay at the hotel 
What he had not told his protective wife, however, was that the night prior to his encounter, he had been quite rude to a few waitresses while indulging with a few adult cocktails in the noggin room. This is what is attributed to the catalyst for his awakening by the avenging entity that evening. The Perry Hotel has been a recognizable fixture in Petoskey for over 120 years, making it a prime candidate as a home for funnel ghosts, or entities that are usually associated with old historic places and buildings. From its first year in operation in 1899 until the mid-1940s, as many as 13,000 trains a season would pass just yards from the front porch of the hotel, and it was not at all uncommon for people to fall victim as a result of an unfairly matched man-versus-train confrontation. So many people sustained gruesome and often fatal injuries while crossing the tracks that elevated crosswalks were constructed to avoid such tragedies. Like the one, for instance, of an unfortunate soul that had both of his legs cut off by a passing locomotive and floundered in the streets as others watched in horror before he died. This man was apparently never the worse for wear and was still able to find his way back to the hotel, even after his violent death. He has often been seen patiently sitting in the lower lobby of the hotel, causing the blood pressure of a young female clerk to rise significantly when he approached the counter, dressed in a blue suit and still missing his two lower extremities. He has also been seen walking, or I guess I should say roaming, the halls of the third floor, especially during the recent renovations within the hotel. Renovations always seem to energize or likely irritate the otherworldly inhabitants of old historic buildings. Sometimes this legless man in the blue suit also enjoys being the last patron standing, pun intended, in the noggin room bar. Maybe he goes there to anesthetize the ghost pains from his missing limbs. Another not-quite-so-intact apparition associated with the hotel is that of the headless coachman that waits outside of the original main entrance at the front of the hotel. He, like so many entities that fall into the funnel ghost category, has also been caught via phone cam by a guest that was attending a Bumps in the Night paranormal conference a few years back. We were on a nighttime ghostly excursion around Petoskey. The sun had just begun to set, illuminating the hotel in a surreal hue of light, when a young woman let out a gasp after looking at a picture she had just taken of the hotel. In the picture, the hotel was out of focus and blurred, but what is distinctly clear is the image of a man in a black coachman's cloak with five buttons on the front lapel and both hands clad in crisp white gloves. He rests approximately eight feet in the air and is normal in appearance, with the exception of his missing hat that surely would have been resting atop his head if he had had one. In 1999, the night of the 100th anniversary, there was a celebration in the Perry Hotel and all kinds of chaos seemed to be happening. Lights were going on, off, and some guests were quite concerned about the odd goings on. One woman called the front desk slightly hysterical and voiced her concerns. As three or four porters came up to console her and relocate her to another room, they noticed the TV going on and off and lights flashing at an uncontrolled or unnatural pace. And also on the far corner on the table next to her bed was one of those old analog clocks like you've seen in Groundhog Day that flips over and over and over. It was spinning like a fan. One of the managers walked over, unplugged it, stuck it in a bag, and took it out of the room so as not to upset the guest. He took the bag down to his office and stuck it in a drawer and locked the drawer. Months later, he decided to examine the clock and see if he could come up with a rational explanation as to what was happening that evening. When he pulled the clock from the bag, 
he saw that it had stopped at 1899, a number that's not physically possible with a 12-digit clock. He took it apart, thousands of pieces apart, and found nothing wrong other than the fact that the digit 8 had been placed where a 2 should have been. On this program and on my tours, I only tell stories that I truly believe to be sincere. This is especially true when I include experiences of my own. I'm not trying to sensationalize, embellish, or hyperbolize these encounters in any way. My main interpretation has always been from a historical standpoint. But the ghostly stories about the Perry are as good of an example as any as to what has led me to recognize and embrace the concept of the paranormal. Which for me, simply stated, is something there is no scientific explanation for and very possibly something much more mystifying. I've been your host, Christopher Struble, and we invite you to join us next time for another episode of Ghost of Northern Michigan's Past.